then shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe it's being shown on the screen. I read. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me whole or make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately, tell somebody immediately. Immediately, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Praise the Lord. This morning, for a few minutes, the topic of our discussion is divine attention. How many of you here need divine attention? You want God to pay attention to you today. You will get his attention in Jesus' name. He will pay that special attention to you in Jesus' name. The Bible says when Christ was come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him. He was sitting on the mountain. He came down. And in the midst of the multitude, there was a man that needed his attention. But before we get to that man, we need to take note of some things about the multitude. So you're going to ask yourself today, am I one of those that Christ will pay attention to? Or am I still in the multitude? Do I need to come out? A few things to take note of about the multitude is that the multitudes are followers. The multitudes are what? They are followers. The Bible makes us understand that many times the multitude will do, will take a step without knowing why. And do you know many of us come to church without knowing why we come to church? The reason many of us come to church is simply because our parents were Christians. And we used to go to church when we were young. Or like some of us are in church today because we have a baby dedication. Last Sunday we were not in church. And definitely we don't plan to go to church next Sunday. But because Brother Kwame has said, I'm dedicating my child this Sunday and I want you to be there. And you are here. You are part of the multitude. And I hope you will repent today. Tell somebody sitting beside you, repent. Don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. Tell the person, whoever he is, tell the person, repent. To the multitude of followers, they follow what they are asked to do. Nothing else. And you know what the Bible classifies them as? If you look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 38. Exodus 12, 38. Exodus 12, 13. The Bible says, A mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks, and herds, and very much cattle. Is that in your Bible? Do you see the, 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 the people that belong to the same group as the multitude? Yeah. Who are those that belong to the same group with them? The flocks, the, the herds, and very much cattle. They belong to the same group with what? Multitude. With the multitude. Because they are followers. They just follow. And you know, when you have followers in that situation, they are not ready for any pain. They are not ready for anything that will make them uncomfortable. Everything must be conducive to their desires. God will have mercy upon us today in Jesus' name. Number two, the multitude is prone to doing evil. The multitude is what? 
That's why Exodus chapter 23 verse 2 says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do what? To do evil. Neither shall thou speak in the cause to decline after many to rest judgment. The multitude is prone to doing evil. Number three, the multitude lost. The multitude does what? Lost. Lost. L-U-S-T-S. That's why some people will come to church not because they want to meet the Lord, but because they are looking for the next lady they are going to conquer. That's why some, some, some ladies will come to church not because they want to meet the Lord, but because they've heard that there's a church there, there are many young black men, and maybe I will get one of them. The multitude does what? The multitude lost. L-U-S-T. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 11 verse 4 that the mixed multitude that was among them fell and lost him. And the children of Israel wept and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? That was their own question. Their own question was, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Your own question is, Who shall give me a husband to marry? Or who shall give me a wife to marry? Or where can I find business partners? There is this business venture I have, and I need business partners, and I know that this venture is one that is profitable to Africans. So that is where I will go. What is your losting? If you're, you are in church because you are losting after one material thing or the other, you are still in the mixed multitude. The Lord will set you free today. Yeah. Well, maybe you don't like it. I'll pray for myself. The Lord will set me free today. Number four, the multitude is always looking back. Always doing what? Looking back rather than looking forward. The Bible tells us in Numbers 11, chapter 5, that the children of Israel, the multitude, they began to say, we remember the fish which we ate in Egypt freely. That tells us something else about the multitude. They love free things. And you know, when you love free things, it will push you to sin. True or false? True. Why do many of us tell lies in our tax return? Why do we? Because we love free money. You are a married man, you are a married woman, say, no, I don't want them to know we are married. So you file your own, I file my own. Separately. You get the child benefit, I get the adult benefit. <laughs> they lost, they will not free things. And so then we become free. We become comfortable with telling lies. And then we think there is a classification. The white lie and the blue lie. Brethren, the Bible tells me that all liars, where are they going? They will find themselves in the lake of fire that never goes out. It burns there at night. You will not go there in Jesus' name. But if you will not go there, you must do what? You must repent. You must repent. They remember the fish which they eat and they ate in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. That's why many are not prepared to live a life, a life as of, as Christians, they look at those things. Say, you mean I will give my life to Christ? I'll stop going to those parties? 
You mean I will give my life to Christ and I will settle with one woman for the rest of my life? Tell me that's not enjoyment. I still want to enjoy life. I pray you will not, you will not enjoy to hell. Because what we call enjoyment <laughs> is punishment. Many are tight. A man will run after a lady and all that and all that. <laughs> and when a man meets a lady that is more powerful than him, <laughs> and the man sleeps with the lady and he wants to go, and the lady says, No, you are not going, I'm not satisfied. Uh, round one, round two, round three. The man begins to say, you want to kill me? Say, ah, tell me you want it. Go ahead. <laughs> Lusting for the things of the flesh. The things that kill. Looking back. Rather than doing what? Looking forward. Every one of us has a past. Every one of us came from somewhere. Many of us here came from Africa. Some of us came from Europe. Some of us came from uh, uh, Jamaica and the Caribbean nations. But there comes a point in time you need to begin to do what? Look ahead. Move out of the multitude. Stop looking back. Just want to stop looking back. There is a lesson you need to learn from your past. Once you learn the lesson, do what? Move forward. Move forward. Move forward. You are now a married man. Stop thinking of uh, the, 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 your second or third girlfriend before you became married. And she contacts you and you see it and you, your wife says, who is that? And say, oh, it's, it's nothing. That's the beginning of backsliding. That's the beginning of going back to what you have left behind. Tell somebody, stop looking back. Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended. That's a man that was running the race in the kingdom. He said, but this one thing I do, how many things? He said, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press forward towards the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's not enough that you were born again last year, but you have nothing to show for it. Some of us can comfortably say I used to be a Christian. Like what our pastor was sharing with us during Sunday school. Somebody whose father was a pastor, who's, who has dedicated his life now to looking for evidence that Jesus did not live. I mean, yes, sir. He wants to, he wants to, he now wants to prove that this talk about Jesus is fiction. The boy is lost. I pray that he will be found. Because he's very, he's terribly lost. Many of us are like that. You used to go to church, you used to know this Jesus we are talking about. In fact, you have an encounter. You can relate the encounter. And somebody tells you it's your imagination. And because that's what you've been wanting, you want somebody to tell you. You take it and say, that's true. There's no way in it. Brethren, there is a way. Tell somebody there is a way. And the only way is who? Jesus. It's Jesus. There's no other way. You must begin to look forward. You must begin to press forward. You must learn to forget the victory of the past. You used to be a Sunday school teacher. When you taught people, we said, oh, Braben is a wonderful teacher. But today, Braben doesn't go to church. And he can say, yes, I remember when I used to teach. 
Maybe some of your students are now pastors. But you are no longer anywhere to be found in the kingdom. Because you keep looking back. Number five, the multitude is unappreciative. They are what? Unappreciative. Many of us, where we are today, is because of the favor of God. It's because of the faithfulness of God. But we have gotten to a point that we say, well, this is Canada. There's no need to pray again. There's no need to fast again. Like many of us from Africa will say, God is not wicked. Witches and wizards are over there. They are not here. The greatest fallacy that anyone can preach to you, self-deception. The multitude does not appreciate the good work of God. They commonize it. Look at what these people said in Numbers chapter 11, verse 6. They say, but now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manner. That is God's provision. Say there is nothing beside what? This manner. That's what they were eating that was sustaining them. That is what they were eating that made sure that they were not sick for 40 years in the wilderness. And yet all they could say is this manner. This thing. Look at what God has given me. They are unappreciative. They are unappreciative. We are going to stop there. Yeah, I have quite a number of other attributes of the multitude. But I want to move forward. So, with such attributes, if you remember what the topic we are looking at this, this morning? What's the topic? Divine attention. If you need divine attention, you need to do what? Come out of the multitude. If you need divine attention, you need to take a step forward. You need to get to the point where you say, I want to turn a new leaf. How did the man we read about here, how did he get the attention of Jesus? When Jesus came down from the mountain, the Bible says, there came a leper, and he did what? He worshipped him. He worshipped him. That is key number one. You want divine attention? Ask your neighbor, you want divine attention? Let me tell you this. The only person that does not want divine attention is the person that knows that if God pays attention to him, all that God will see is what? It's his iniquity. It's his sin. Say, ah, no, no, no. Let him know. I don't want any attention now. But you don't know how much, how many more days you have. Do you? Do you, you? do you know when Christ will come? Do you know as we are, as we are sitting down here discussing he will come? And do you know those that will disappear? I will go. And you know the, the best part of it? The baby we are dedicating today, he will do what? He will go. And I hope his father will go with him. The baby will go. He will be raptured. Divine attention. If you want divine attention, you must do what? Worship the Lord. And brethren, worshiping the Lord simply means do what? Worshiping him. It's between you and him. You don't need a choir. You don't need your husband or your wife to do what? To worship God. You just go and just tell him you love him. Just tell him he's a good God. Just tell him he's a wonderful father. As you begin to worship him, he begins to give you the word. To do what? To draw closer to him. This man needed the attention of Jesus. He ran out of the multitude. 
and they worshipped him. And Jesus took notice of him. He will take notice of you today. Amen. I said he will take notice of you today. Amen. You need to come out of the multitude and worship the Lord. There's a story we all know very well. In Mark chapter 5 from verse 1 to verse 15. The man that we call the madman of gathering. That man was crazy. He was, I mean, anything you want to use for him, he was demonized. The Bible says he lived in the tomb. He lived in the burial ground. He lived where no man should live. But when he saw Jesus, something clicked in his head and said, this is your opportunity. Tell everybody, this is your opportunity. The Bible says he ran and he worshipped Jesus. And that is what made the difference in him. It was the man that went and worshipped Jesus. But then the spirit in him began to speak. And said, Jesus, we didn't come to disturb you. Why have you come to disturb us? But Jesus didn't come for the demons. Who did he come for? He came for the man. He came for that man that was made in the image of God. And the Bible says he commanded those demons to get out. The Bible tells us, we don't have time to read it, but you can read it. I mean, when you get to put it down, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. That when the demons had gone out, they said Jesus should not send them back to the pit, but he should allow them to go into the swine. And he said, Go. And the Bible tells me that the moment they got into the swine, what happened to the pigs? They ran into the, into, the, into the lake or whatever, into the water, and they were drowned. Even pigs made up their mind that they would rather die than have demons live in them. Those are pigs, so how much more you, a man, a woman, created in the image of the living God? Why won't you make up your mind that my soul, my heart, my spirit, my body is no dwelling place for demons. Tell somebody my body is no dwelling place for demons. Tell somebody I am for Jesus. As if you mean it. Say I am for Jesus. And he has heard your voice today. And you are his in Jesus name. That madman of gathering worshipped Christ. The moment he worshipped Christ, a difference was made in his life. We are going to have an opportunity to worship Christ today. And I hope you will worship him. I hope you will worship him. So, you want divine attention, number one, do what? Worship him. Worship God. Number two, you want divine attention, give a sacrificial offering. Do what? I know somebody will say they, they have come again. They want our money. Give a sacrificial offering. And I will tell you a few things, brethren. I'll tell you a few things, and then we'll round up. There is a man, the Bible says, Solomon gave an offering. In 1st chapter 3, verse 3 to verse 15. He gave an offering that no man had given before him. It was big. But do you know, brethren, that Solomon's offering was not a bribe to God? Do you know if your heart is not pure, your offering is a waste of money? Because the Bible tells us here in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Verse 3. 
He said, Solomon did what? Solomon did what? Solomon did what? Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statutes of David, his father. Very important. If you are going to give a sacrificial offering that God will take, you must love the Lord. Can you ask your neighbor, do you love the Lord? It's a very important question. Don't be afraid. Ask your neighbor, do you love the Lord? If you don't love him, if you like, give an offering of one million dollars. What have you done? You are wasting your money. Your offering must be predicated on a foundation of what? Love. Love. The Bible says God so loved the world that he did what? What did he give? Was it money? He gave his only begotten son. God said, I love this man. I love this woman. I love this my son, this my daughter. And I'm willing to give the most important thing that I have. He gave his son for you and I. If you say you love the Lord, how much are you willing to give to him? And when they say how much, I'm not talking of money. How much of yourself are you willing to give to him? Paul said, I will spend and what? And be spent. The church of God needs your help. I thank God I'm talking to people that are not necessarily members of Christ Chapel. That you not say we are talking because of the church. No. The church of God needs your help. Where you worship and you know it. Tell somebody you know it. You know it that you can be helpful. But you have made up your mind that you will be useless. I mean, what's the purpose of being useful? You are either useful or you are useless. There's no in, there's no halfway in between. You know that there is this help I can render. But because you don't love the Lord, that, that's, the, that's the reason. I just want you to search your heart today. I'm going to be running off very soon. It's a long message, but I'm not, I'm not going to make it long. I'm going to be running off very soon, but I want you to search your heart. Do you love the Lord? And then, and, and, I know this song, there's one, something that my children normally watch. And there's a phrase there I love very much. It says, what have you done for him lately? Can you ask your neighbor, what have you done for him, what have you done for him? lately? When we say, what have you done for him, for who? What have you done for God? What have you done for Jesus? Does he even know you? Are you on record as one of those associated with him? Divine you cannot give if you don't love him. And the corollary is true. The reason you have not been given is because what? It's because you don't love him. It's not me saying it. That's what the Bible says. Is there a reason you don't love him? Do you just appreciate him with your mouth and that is it? Is that the type of appreciation God, the attention God has given unto you? Just word of mouth. Just say, oh, you know I love you. Like some of, uh, some of, some of our husbands. Say, oh, you know I love you. All he says is, I love you. He, does, he doesn't give his wife anything. Apart from saying, I love you. Tell a man sitting next to you, repent. repent. A man, look for a man and tell him, repent. 
Every time you keep saying, I love you, I love you, there is nothing to show for it. That love is not yet complete. That is not what God did. True or false? God, in order to prove that he loves you, he gave the best that he has. It goes beyond word. It's in action. I know what, there's a man here who is listening to me today. Who on his way home will buy something for his wife? Amen. Because you need to prove to her that you do what? Don't just say it. Do something. And she will appreciate it. Is somebody with me this morning? You need to take it beyond what you say. Do you love the Lord? Prove it. Do you love your wife? Prove it. Do you love your children? Prove it. The men are, they are complaining. <laughs> Do you love your husband? Prove it. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Yeah. 